Welcome to the Full-Time Life Podcast. I'm Steph, a former corporate girly turned yogi and full-time lifer. Full-Time Life is all about acknowledging that the concept of work-life balance is flawed. There's no such thing as work separate and apart from life. It's all just life, and it's up to each of us to prioritize and design our own full-time life balance. This podcast is dedicated to providing tools, resources, and conversations to encourage you to live your full-time life to the hilt. Welcome to this week's episode of Full-Time Life. I am joined today with my good friend, Howie Valetsky, who recently ran the New York City Marathon for his 15th time. I know Howie because he is married to one of my best friends, Stephanie Lang, now Valetsky, and we became fast friends as they were dating, and now they've been married for just over a year. I'll hand over the mic to you, Howie. What is Howie Valetsky all about? What do you want to share before we kind of dive in? What is Howie Valetsky all about? I feel like that's a loaded question, Steph. I've been working for DocuSign for two years now, I'm fully remote out of New York City. So that's been quite the transition from going into the office every single day. And that's your full-time job. That is you my full-time job. You also have your passion project yes, yes. of running. Yeah, so recently I got my USATF, United States Track and Field Association Level 1 certificate. So hoping to start coaching some runners in the near future that might actually be a coach for Fred's team, which is the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center's charity arm for the New York City Marathon. So we'll see what happens, but that is my passion project. Who is your ideal running client? My Instagram is Everyday Runner. So I want to coach people that have that nine to five, that are average middle of the pack runners like myself, just looking to go out and accomplish their goals. Yep, anything is possible, but I'm looking for that person that maybe couch to 5K even. Um, yeah, I love that because it's making it very accessible. And in a sport that can feel very intimidating, and there's obviously the elite that I love that your Instagram handle of everyday runner because it does really capture it. Yeah. Can we talk about the marathon? We can. Highlight and low light from race day, your 15th <laughs> marathon. So it's not your first run of the so course. It was my 15th New York. It was my 19th overall marathon. The highlight was finishing and getting my 15th New York, which means I have guaranteed entry for the rest of my life. If I would have told you that in 2006, after I finished my first, I would have told you you're insane. I think everyone probably would have agreed. So that was like a really cool checkbox to have. Low light, it was not the day I wanted at all. You train for 20 weeks. You basically put all of your eggs into the basket for one day. And you just don't know what your body's going to give you on race day. And for me, that unfortunately happened. It was also quite warm. It was, I think, 62 or 63 degrees with no cloud cover at all. So it was a perfect day to spectate. Everyone I saw was having a ball on the sidelines. So it was tough. And I think I might have been battling a little bit of a stomach bug also. So it was hard to take in nutrition for the last, like, seven or so miles. But there was never a thought of dropping out. I've never DNF'd. 
a race before my life, a marathon. I know where I'm going since it's New York City. So just embraced the last seven or eight miles and just made sure I got to the finish line. But yeah, the low light was I was definitely trained to run probably 30 minutes faster than what I actually came in at. So that's been a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. How do you um, find compassion for yourself? How do you recover mentally and give yourself grace? Yeah, I'm my own worst critic. So this year, really, it hit me hard. The day after the marathon, I was with my wife and Lululemon. That was punishment for running my 15th marathon. I said, I maybe I should run the Philly marathon in two weeks as redemption. And surprisingly, Stephanie was like, you want to do it? All right, go ahead and do it. And right after the marathon, I think everything's really raw. I think I was just so super upset that I was just looking for like an outlet. And I thought maybe it's a good idea to go run a marathon in two weeks. I will tell you the next day I woke up and I spoke with my coach and she was like, I think this is like a terrible idea. So luckily we did not run the Philly marathon, which is happening right now. I think for me, just taking some time off, I think I've run once since the marathon, just trying to enjoy life a little more, not having to wake up every day and follow a training plan and eat healthy and make sure you're hitting all your calories. I will say it's still raw in my head. The more I think about it, the more I get upset. But you know, there's always next year. But it's tough when you put all your eggs into one basket for one day. Yeah. It's not like if you have a bed round the golf, you can go out and play again the next day. You can't just sign up for another marathon like the next day and try and get that redemption. So I have to just realize there will be other opportunities for the rest of my life for New York. <laughs> Take us through race morning, pre-race, getting to the start line. It's always the morning of the daylight savings reset. So you get an extra hour of sleep. What does your flow look like from when you wake up to when you actually cross over the start line? Yeah, New York City Marathon is interesting because you have to get out to Staten Island to run back to New York City. And you have to get out there pretty early because they need to shut the bridge. So I wake up at around 4 a.m., but I didn't start running this year until 10.55. So I basically had a full day before I even started to run. I woke up, had a little bit of breakfast. Typically, I don't start eating until three hours before I start running. But I was on the bus by 5.30, and you're in Staten Island about 6.37. You're just waiting. There's a lot of camaraderie and I just start eating breakfast and make sure I'm getting all my calories down and staying hydrated and staying warm and just staying active. And then usually 30 minutes before your corral goes off, you have to start lining up. And that's when like the anxiety starts to kick in. It's a long morning. It's about seven hours from wake up to when I first started running. So you have to really manage your energy levels and your calorie intake as well, because you can get to that start line and be exhausted already. How do you calm your like brain chatter, your monkey mind, that anxiety that starts to kick in just before you start to line up? I've done it so many times. So for me, I always say it's the best day of the year in New York City. 
I listen to music, so if I start to get anxious, I'll just throw my music on. But I'm also normally around a bunch of people I know, so yeah. easily to be distracted and just having conversation. But I don't really get anxious before the start of New York City. From my vantage point, there's only one way to the finish, and that's to start running. So, yeah, that's how I view it. I've run the New York Marathon twice, so I'm familiar with the course enough to know that when you start and you leave Staten Island, you go over the Verrazano Bridge, and you hit your first big challenge of the whole race, which is this bridge you have to run up. You're surrounded by water. It's a very iconic bridge. Yeah. And it's very scenic. So maybe share a little bit about that first few miles. Yeah, it's actually also the highest point on the marathon, the Verrazano Bridge. But since it's so crowded, you don't really feel like you're going up the bridge, which is good because it's a pretty steep incline. I think it's one mile to the top. But it's a really cool scene because you have all these people that have come from like all over the world and they're stopping and they're taking pictures. And if you look over to the left, you can see downtown Manhattan. And in the water, they usually have the police boats with the water spraying, like red, white, and blue. It's a really cool experience. And there are also no spectators on the Verrazano Bridge. You're by yourself. And I think at that point, you're like, okay, game on. Like, it's time to do this. Okay, compare the run over the Verrazano Bridge to the run over the 59th Street Bridge, oh, oh. the Queensboro Bridge. That is torture. It is pretty steep. I think it's like, again, like a mile up. But at that point, and there are no spectators. So you have just gone through Brooklyn, you've gone through Queens, you've had all this music and spectators, and you've probably seen family and friends, and then you are by yourself for a good mile and a half, two miles. And that's where you start to see people walking, where people probably realized I did not train for this marathon very well. And it's eerie because you don't hear anything. You just hear like your own footsteps, people breathing. And then as you get closer to the city, you start hearing things. And I've always told people like, oh, that's First Avenue. It's nothing you've ever experienced before in your life. And I've seen people start to cry because mm -hmm. it's just, I'm like, they're all waiting for you. So just turn your music off and just have a great time. But the 59th Street Bridge is terrible. I, Coming I off you. of it, I agree. I tear up thinking about it. It's all just like a cheer crowd. Yeah. It's, it's just millions of people just waiting are, for you. No matter how fast you are, how slow you are, like they're just there for you. So it's a really cool experience. But the Verrazano Bridge, as I recall, you can see everything. Mm -hmm. You're out, your face is in the sunshine. Mm -hmm. The Queensboro Bridge, I swear every time I was under. I wasn't yeah. like a couple lovers of the Queensboro yeah. Bridge, and so I don't know if anyone goes up. So you're also no. like, it's dark. Your face isn't in the sun. You don't have the boat spraying colorful water. It is a low point energetically, but then the flip side of it is so good, yeah. which is first yeah. avenue. Yeah, it's that point in the marathon where I think people start to get tired. Yeah. And probably question why they signed up for it. Yeah. That's great advice, though. You get your headphones in while you're over the 59th Street Bridge and then take them out as soon as like you start to press down the other side. Finish line euphoria. Is that a thing? What comes to mind as you cross the finish line? Yeah, I think like that runner's high is definitely a thing. 
I still get it. This year when I finished, I was just grateful that I finished. Like I said, I really wasn't feeling great. And it went away pretty quickly. I will be honest, like when I finished, I was like, I am glad this day is over. Mm. Uh, but my wife did get me at the finish line. Was, that was a nice experience. What and does I that mean? She got you. Stephanie volunteered at the finish line. So she was able to come see me and bring me to the finisher tent. And the first thing I said to her was, I need a new hobby. I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> and That's probably pretty typical. Crossing yeah. a marathon finish line. Never need also, to do this again. Hot, and I was like cranky. And that's typically how it goes after. Compare that with the first time you crossed the finish line in the New York Marathon. Ooh, the first time I crossed the finish line, hmm, it was 2006. I do remember seeing my family and said, I will never do that ever again. That was the dumbest thing ever. And then here we are almost like 20 years later, 18 years later, and I'm still doing it. So something obviously... The runner's high is a very real thing. And it's interesting. It's like phases of, I'm never doing this again. I need a new hobby. Maybe I'll run Philly in two weeks. Yeah, like, it's yeah. almost like you go through this whole like grief cycle or something. And then you yeah. come back out the other side and you're like, all right, let's sign up for next Yeah, year. I think that's very true because you trained, you've done all this work, the race is over with, and then you're looking for what's next. So for me, I was like, I don't know if I could wait another year to do another marathon just because I know the shape I was in, but I'm very grateful I didn't sign up for Philly. I think that would have been a stretch. I get it though, because technically your body's already trained for the distance, but right. my feels... coach was like, if you want to do it, you'll, she's, you're in shape, but she's, you could go out there and you could do really well, or you can go out there and have an absolutely miserable day. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't want to go out there and spend five plus hours running a marathon if my body's going to yeah. reject running. So that's why I actually didn't sign up because I couldn't handle any more disappointment going into the holiday season. So I was like, I'm just going to hang up my shoes for the year. Recovery mode. What advice do you have for anyone running the New York City Marathon next year? It is, I would say, one of the harder marathons out there. I've not run Boston, but I've run Chicago. I've run Berlin. Uh, I've run New Jersey. And this is by far the hardest marathon out there. It is very hilly. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. New York City is a very hilly marathon. I would say Fifth Avenue is very hilly. It will surprise you at mile 22 that you have to run basically a mile uphill to Central Park. And then Central Park is not exactly flat either. So I would prepare for hills if you're going to run New York City. And it's not a fast course either. If you're looking to PR, I would probably choose another marathon. I've been doing this race for 15 years and I have still not broken four hours in New York City. So it's a challenging course. And now you don't know what the weather. Last year it was 75 degrees. This year it was 63 degrees. You just don't know what you're going to get in November in New York anymore. The second time I ran it with my cousin and she's, she basically paced me. She, she's faster than me and I kept telling her to leave me and she wouldn't. I just had to keep up. All this to say, towards the end, you come out of the Bronx, 
the last six miles, I remember telling her, this is really rude. That's the Fifth Avenue, I guess, that you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, it's really rude because it's uphill. Like, they could have done this another way. And she was just like validating what was basically just my mental chatter, right? She was like, I know, but you still have to run it. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's sneaky. It's a sneaky finish. And then you have to run up to the finish lines up a hill. You've mentioned a few times your coach. I'd love to hear a little bit yeah. about how long have you had a coach and did that inspire you to take on coaching? I've had a coach for the last five years. It's virtual, but for me, I need accountability. I just can't go out there and go for a run. I need to be told what to do. And then I need someone to validate whether or not the run was good. And if it was bad, why was it bad? So we've been working together for five years and she'll put a training plan together based off of my race season. And I think that's yeah, what inspired me to get into coaching is I think I can do this also and kind of give back. Accountability is a really powerful tool for anything you're trying to accomplish. And so if it's a coach that you know and trust and that you'll be held accountable to, I can see how that being really powerful. Exactly. If there's nothing on my calendar, I won't run. I need to be able to look at my week and say, okay, these are all my runs and then go out and do them. Does she give you a nutrition plan as well? I did do a nutrition plan with her. Yes. So I do have one for 5Ks, 10Ks, halves, and fulls. What does a recovery day look like? I get one recovery day a week or two. It depends on where we are in the cycle. And it's just a day off. Foam roller. Nothing. It's nothing. It should be foam rolling and stretching. And but I'm actually considering going to yoga stuff. Wow. So. You have been to yoga. You've I've been to been yoga with me nine before. Nine years. And it's, I do not stretch. It's really bad. And I realize I'm not 25 anymore. When you so. came to yoga, I thought you did really well. I've oh, actually... We're going to start going back to yoga because Amazing. this recovery has been real. This has been a really challenging recovery. I'm really big on morning routine and mm -hmm. I happened to stay with you and Steph a month ago, a little over yep. a month ago, and I got to see a little bit of your morning routine right before you head out on a long run. Will you take us through what your morning routine is on a normal day? Now you're not in training season. So I really don't have a great morning routine. I think that's something I need to work on. I work from home, so I just need to be at my laptop by... 9 a.m. every day, so that's bad. I have no up. bad mornings. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm it's something that really challenges me, and I feel like I don't start my day on the right foot. What do you think it would look like? In an ideal world, I would get up at 6.30, go for a half-hour run, then come home, have my breakfast, have my coffee, and then start my work day. I like to run after work, but I find now that the sun's setting at 4.30, that's a little more challenging because now it's pitch black. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like to eat dinner incredibly late. So if I go for a run after work, that kind of throws off my whole evening routine. And it's interesting because like I say, I'm not a morning person, but I'll wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go play golf. I don't know why I can't translate that to waking up at 6.30 and going for a run or just going for a walk. So I guess I am a morning person. I just don't apply it very well. 
sounds like when you have something exciting to get out of bed yeah. for, the, like you got to catch the bus to Staten Island for the New York Marathon yeah. or golf, you do it. And maybe it's just a matter of including an element that you could be really excited to get up for. Yeah. And then that kind of like propels your day. And then it's tough because if I don't wake up and get out in the morning, there's some days I don't leave the apartment. And then that becomes challenging, especially in the winter. And you haven't That's seen daylight in the week because you haven't left the apartment. The work from home model of, yeah, get up, you, work, go to bed. Yeah. There are easily weeks in the winter I don't leave the apartment. So if you have a walking commute or a moving commute, you ha you end up having really strong components of a morning routine and it is challenging for a work from home model. You got to push yourself out the door, whatever that looks like. If you went on a 30 minute run, what would you listen to? I have my music. I really haven't updated my playlist in 10 years. I just have like my same 20 songs that I always listen to. I should maybe listen to podcasts in the morning or something else or like an audio book, but I, I don't know if I can run to that. A yeah. lot of people do, but I don't know if I'd be able to focus, especially on the long run. I feel like I would need my music. I'm also a creature of habit. So if it's not, if it ain't broke, I don't fix it. So that's why I haven't changed my playlist. And I think it's like 2008. I'll be honest. I think that's what it says. So that's just like your normal, typical morning. But when you're doing your long run, that's actually a very intentional morning routine because I saw it happen, right? You've got to get your nutrition and your hydration and your reflection and all the things. And so what does that morning routine look like? Take us through Yeah. That. So typically, I, if I have a long run, say anything over two hours in the summer, you really need to be intentional about getting out the door by 6.37 the latest because you don't want to be running in the heat. In a perfect world, I would have already made all of my nutrition and all of my drinks the night before. But if not, I have to get up. I have to make sure my Gatorade is made, my shakes are made, all my nutrition is laid out, all my clothes are laid out. It takes a good half hour, 45 minutes, maybe more by the time I get up to the time I actually get out of the apartment. Because you're going out there for two hours, you want to make sure you have everything on you. So that's, it takes some time. That's pro-level intentionality that starts clearly the night before. And it could start yeah. the morning of, it just slows you down. And it's everything from having your devices charged to right. having yeah. your hydration made. And that is, to me, that's pro-level morning routine. And you just apply it during these times when you have the long run because it's super hyper-intentional. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by this 2024 Coach Howie. Yeah. Uh, everyday runner coach. I think that's really exciting. And the fact that you have so much experience, and especially with the New York Marathon, I can totally see how that becomes your area of expertise and really guiding people through something that is from start to finish, from getting into the New York Marathon and then getting across the finish line is a whole journey. And your first client may be set up through your connections with Fred's team. Hopefully. Yeah. Or my wife. It's also really great. I need to get her on the podcast as well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as how he reflected on his own 
personal NYC marathon experience and shared how running is influencing his career aspirations beyond his day job. Follow along with Howie on Instagram at everyday underscore runner underscore NYC and DM him for coaching if you think he could be the running coach for you. If you are looking for tools to uplevel your morning routine, download my free blueprint. I'll drop the link in the show notes. Until next time.